This episode is brought to you in part by Regent College, Vancouver, Canada. Experience God's call to a life more abundant with our one- to two-week summer courses. Sign up today at rgnt.net slash summer. Like, I don't know how to, like, um, define that. Welcome to the Christianese Podcast. I think that it means that that you just been... I don't know how to put this. This is Drew Fitzgerald. And today's topic... Um... I mean, I guess it would... Great question. Blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Episode number two. Here we go. What do we mean by being blessed? What is blessing? Try to formulate an answer just in your mind, in your car, on your run, wherever you are. What does it mean to be blessed? In what situation would you say, I am blessed? Uh, first thought that pops in my mind is kind of like spoiled as a kid. As a kid, I was spoiled. So a lot of people that aren't spoiled um, would say I'm blessed because I get things from my parents and stuff that they don't get. So I guess to be with things that or have things that other people don't have. I think it just means to be like, I almost, I just want to use the word blessed, but I guess just granted gifts, abilities may benefit you, benefit of benefit others. So I guess it would mean to have favor, the opposite of cursed. I guess it would be like, like good things then, but then you have to figure out what exactly good things good for you like who like what does a good look like yeah from your eyes or from god's eyes i guess i guess then it had to be in god's eyes good things for you okay. not what you think is good maybe blessing is enough stuff maybe it's having more than someone else maybe blessing is a comparison we are blessed at someone else's cursing maybe blessing is freedom it's opportunity it's a chance to do things that other people aren't able to do Maybe blessing is favor. It's God looking on you kindly and giving you good things. But then there is that question, what is good? How do you define what is good? Compared to a lot of people in the world, everyone listening to this has things really good. But in our minds, there's always something that can make our lives better. Most of the time, I think we mean it materially or experientially, that we have something worth showing off, I guess. Blessing is really the right amount of success, comfort, and pleasure, which is probably why it's so prevalent on social media. It's part of our highlight reel. And to use blessing in this kind of way is, well, especially problematic, particularly if we're using it in a religious sense. And when Christians say that they are blessed, the first thing we look at is their stuff, how nice their house is, the types of clothes that they wear, if a church says they are blessed, we look at how big the church is, how wealthy the church is. And here's the tension I want to try to address today. Some people, when they hear Christians say, I am blessed, or talk about blessing, they immediately think of some sort of televangelist. 
they're completely turned off and they say all you care about is money they think about someone like a Creflo dollar I can believe God as long as I want to if I want to believe God for a 65 million dollar plane you cannot stop me you cannot stop me from dreaming Life on Mars. If you think a $65 million plane was too much, if they discover that there's life on Mars, they're going to need to hear the gospel, and I'm going to have to believe God for a billion-dollar space shuttle because we got to preach the gospel on Mars. There are Christians who are so bothered by the idea of material blessing that it really repulses them and may have even turned them off to the idea of church in general. Then there are people on the other side who say, but blessing does have to do with material goods. You can look all over scripture and see where God blesses his people. There is a certain amount of material prosperity that comes with God's blessing or even to the extreme there necessarily must be a material blessing that comes from God when I follow him. And the result of that is not further engagement in the church, but self-centeredness, where I am now the end of all religious acts, where the purpose of Christ's coming was for me to be healthy, wealthy, wise, and comfortable. One side, the church is absolutely inherently materialistic and it disgusts them. So they turn themselves off and remove themselves from the church. The other side, God necessarily must give me good things. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to basics. I'm going to go to the Greek and go to the Hebrew and see what the biblical authors meant by blessing. Because in English, we just have our one word, bless. In Hebrew, there's two words. In Greek, there's two words, and they are very different in their meaning and will really help us understand what God means by blessing. The Hebrew word most often translated as bless for us is the Hebrew word barak. Thanks, Obama. But yes, barak, which means to praise, congratulate, or salute. In Genesis 1.22, you can see the first time this word is used when God blesses the sea creatures and birds, telling them to be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And then in verse 28, when God gives a similar blessing to Adam to go and be fruitful and multiply. Then you can see it again in Genesis 12 when God goes to Abraham and calls him to the promised land. And he promises to bless him and make his name great. And through him, all families of the earth will be barocked, blessed. So Adam was supposed to be fruitful and multiply, and he was blessed to do so, to spread the image of God across the earth. Then Abraham is blessed in such a way that all of those people who have spread across the earth will be given some sort of benefit through Abraham. And if we jump ahead to Deuteronomy, God gives his law to his people and says, Obey these commands when you get up, when you lie down. Oh, that you might obey everything I've given to you here so that your hearts would return to me. He says, if you obey the law, there will be Barak. There will be blessing. And Deuteronomy 28 lays out all of the blessings that there are. It's overflowing vats of wine, granaries that can't hold all the grain you have, 
so much livestock, your barns will be uh, stuffed. There won't be enough room for all of them. You'll have so many children. You'll have security. You'll have um, health. You'll have strength. And God will be with you. So, were the blessings of Adam and Abraham intended to lead to all of the stuff that comes in Deuteronomy? It's easy to think that materials are the end, that that's when the good stuff comes, that's the reward, and that means the transaction with God is over. But if you want to understand the blessing of the Old Testament, if you want to understand Barak, which absolutely has to do with our welfare and our happiness, you need to go to Deuteronomy 4 and see why. Keep these commandments and do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all nations, who, when they hear all of these statutes, will say, Surely this is a great nation, wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you this day? The blessings of following God were not to get things. The purpose of those blessings is so that the people around Israel would look at them and say, Wow, how great is their God? Look how wise these people are. Look at their law. Look how incredibly understanding it is. And Israel wasn't supposed to say, Yes, aren't we great? But this is the law from our God that he has given to us. Amidst all of the blessings of Deuteronomy 28, there was a kind of returning Barak, a blessing of the Lord where when he spoke a blessing over you, you would turn to him and salute him back and say, this is not because of my own goodness or my own personal wisdom, but this is all from a God who is close to us. And even if you did have a lot of things that didn't guarantee happiness, I mean, just look at Ecclesiastes when Solomon is looking at all this stuff he has, one of the wealthiest men in the world up to that point, and he's saying it's all vanity. In chapter 2 and chapter 5, he says the greatest thing for someone, that someone can do is enjoy their work, is enjoy the work God gave to them, to enjoy the food, the drink, the friends that God has given to them. Those with very little have some task that God has put in front of them that they can enjoy, and those who are wealthy have some task in front of them that they can enjoy. And then in chapter 12, he goes on and says, the greatest thing that anyone can do is fear God and keep his commandments. Barak is a giving of welfare and happiness that is always implicit on obedience. And in the case of the Old Testament, obedience to God's law, obedience to the commands that he's given to Adam, to Abraham. The second Hebrew word is a share, which is translated pretty simply happiness. It's all over the Psalms. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams. Or Psalms 146 verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose help is in the Lord his God. Happy is the one whose help is the Lord God. The Greek version of this word, happiness, is markarios, which is 
the word blessed from the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and Luke 6. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Asher and Markarios, these words that just mean happy, are always linked to people who find their purpose and fulfillment in God. As in Psalms, the best life available is for those who love and fear God and order their lives according to his word. In the New Testament, in Matthew, in Luke, and in Romans 4, blessed are those whose sins are forgiven, those who follow and know God. The last word for blessing is eulogeo, which is actually where we get our word eulogy, which means to speak well of someone after they are gone. A good example of this is in 1 Peter 3, 9, when Peter says, Bless those who curse you. Speak well of them. It's not Barak. You're not uh, promising good things if they follow a command. You're not proclaiming that they're happy. You're speaking well of them. A really great example of eulogeo is in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, where Paul says we've been given every spiritual blessing that is in heaven through Christ Jesus. We have been blessed, eulogeo, with every blessing, eulogia. And these eulogia, these blessings, he starts listing them off rapid fire. We're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Two, we are adopted as God's children. Number three, we're accepted, we're beloved. Four, the redemption through the blood of Christ that has a sense of buying someone back, ransoming somebody. Number five, the forgiveness of our sin. That's like the other side of the coin of the redemption where we're bought back and we are wholly forgiven. There's no debt. Six, knowing the mystery of God's will through the spirit that he's given us. Number seven, the inheritance that is given to us through Christ. That is a future thing that we will receive. Number eight, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, that we are secured. There's assurance of salvation. And we could go on and on with this list, talking about all the privileges that there are in Christ. We could go to 1 Corinthians 3.9. Where we're laborers together with God, he lets us work with him. Or to 2 Corinthians 5, where he's given us a job as ambassadors for Christ. Or 2 Corinthians 11, where we are the bride of Christ. Philippians 4, where peace that passes all understanding is made available to us. Romans 8, we're assured that nothing is able to separate us from God's love. We've been given so much more than monetary wealth. Israel was a geographic place. They were a holy nation. And when that nation thrived, everyone around them, all their na other nations, could see their blessing. At which point Israel was supposed to be a light and say, look at who God is, don't look at us. And for us, all of these blessings that we have are to equally go out and be a light and show people about God. We're not a specific geographic place, but God has come to us and said, I am your God and you are my people. I've blessed you with every single spiritual blessing that there is in heaven. In that sense, merely using blessed as a hashtag 
or a way to describe our situation on social media is really shallow. But likewise, refusing to use the word blessed for fear of sounding too religious or for fear of getting caught up in the materialism that does exist in the American church is not helpful either. Because when you look at the fullness of everything that God has done for us, when you see how we are really blessed, when you see how God defines what is good, you see that it's necessary to show how we are blessed by God through Christ. That is a means of showing the world who God is. So, what is blessing? Blessing is the command of God, the opportunity to follow Him. Any material thing we have, it's happiness, it's contentment, it's so much more than our material things. It isn't necessarily less than those, but it is absolutely more. So, I'll ask again. Are you blessed? This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.